Welcome to the cemetery. I'm former gravedigger Nathan Barnett from spooky old New England, and you're listening to Grave Stories. Hi. I'm very excited for this week. Very excited for this week. Very, very, very. How many times can I say that? <laughs> the more I say it, the more I mean it. I'm going to read two stories today. I'm getting uh, I'm getting back to the real true life, true crime, true spooky juice, spoo, spooky goose stories, real stuff. I did the creepypasta once. I was thinking of maybe doing it for all of October, but I changed my mind because it wasn't quite for me. I get more excited when they're real, when I know this happened to someone, and I can try to imagine what they were feeling as they were experiencing their paranormal experience. So, uh, this week I'm going to read one from my favorite book, Nantucket Ghosts by Blue Ballet, uh, 44 stories, 44 accounts, I should say, true accounts, uh, of ghost activity and ghost stories on Nantucket Island, which is the island off of Massachusetts, which is where I'm from. I'm from New England, and I was looking at the weather today, uh, in Massachusetts, it's 63 degrees right now, and here in Los Angeles, it's 95 degrees. It feels nothing like Halloween at all. Feels, it doesn't feel like fall. I'm getting jealous of everyone's pictures I'm seeing on the internet of all the fall leaves and how cozy everyone looks. I've been drinking so much hot apple cider over here in LA. That's another annoying thing about LA. Like, I love LA. I don't want to sound like I don't. I love it. I love it. I love it. I will probably live here for my entire life. Um, even though I'm actually moving very soon. Uh, but uh, I'm coming back to L.A. at some point once Corona is over. But I got to go save some cash for a while. But anyways, I love Los Angeles for billions of reasons. But one thing that is very frustrating about, I don't know if it's California or L.A. or what, you can't get regular apple cider out here. And what I consider regular apple cider is it's just in New England. It's just called apple cider. It's like apple juice, but it's cloudy and tastes different than apple juice. It's not apple juice. But then in California, you go and get apple cider, what they call apple cider. It looks, for the most part, it's not as cloudy and dark colored, but it's just apple juice. You drink it, you're like, oh, this is just apple apple juice. Then you heat it up thinking you're going to have hot apple cider. You're just drinking hot apple juice and it tastes bad. So what you have to do to get apple cider in California and who knows what other states, you have to get spiced apple cider or spiced apple juice. And the only thing you can really get a lot of the time is pumpkin spiced apple cider. So you got all these other flavors in there when I just want regular apple cider, like from a farm. They don't do that out here and it's confusing and it's very frustrating for a person who comes from New England just wants some dirty apple juice. Crying aloud. And it's not alcoholic. This isn't an alcoholic drink. It's just juice. And cider might sound confuse people because cider is also like a beer. So that's another reason it's like hard to find this stuff because people are like, wait, you want like a hard cider? I'm like, no, no, no. I just want apple cider. You ever been to New England? Just drink that. I want that. Anyways, I've been I've been drinking my spiced apple cider, which is good enough. So I'm trying to gain the fall spirit and the Halloween spirit, but it's kind of hard because it's so hot out here. I'm seeing all these people's pictures and it's making me jealous. So for today, I'm going to read a spooky story from New England back on Nantucket. Uh, and I'm going to read the second story or account 
is going to be about the Cecil Hotel, which is here in Los Angeles, where I live. So I'm going to do stories from both of my homes, my old home and my current home, Massachusetts and New and Los Angeles coming together on this one episode. And the Cecil Hotel, if you don't know, it's that story where like tons of people have died in this hotel. I went down to it. I was trying. To, I'm trying to do a video on it. I do the. Some of you don't might not know, but I make videos. And one of the channels I make videos on is called Dad Feels. It's like a sci-fi. Um, soap opera, comedy, mystery with puzzles. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's it's like a web series on YouTube. And in it, the as the character of Dad, Dadbot, he's a robot dad, um, programmed to be a regular average dad. He is invested in some investigations, and on one of the upcoming episodes of his investigation series, I wanted to investigate the Cecil Hotel, and in particular the girl named Elisa Lamb who died there and she was found like in the tank on the ceiling of the building and it was a mystery of like how she even got in there and there's footage of her on an elevator like freaking out and like looking in, like someone was chasing her but it seems like she just had like a mental illness and it's actually pretty sad but in this book I have here that I've been reading from uh Hannah J. Tidy's Ghost Stories it's a compilation of horrifying true stories uh they go and they talk about it in this book and i know all about it so i'm just going to read this so in case some of you don't know about it you can learn about it and then eventually i'll do my video on it as well uh so that's pretty much what's coming up this episode that's what the intro is dedicated for here i'm just going to tell you guys what's coming up don't have much else to talk about support on patreon if you're able to then get into my personal private nathan discord where you can share your stories i was just in there a minute ago reading everyone's sleep stories everyone's talking about their spooky dreams they're having in the discord and if you want to have your story read i will read people's stories about what they've seen if they've seen ghosts ufos strange stuff anything paranormal i will read it if you want it on the podcast get on patreon and then get in the discord and type it out and i'll read it on the podcast thanks everyone now let's jump into the episode after a message from our sponsor i speedy mcgreedy have created frankenstein mouth i want juicy burgers we'll go to hotties burgers are juicy and hearty right ivan hotties job royals let's say hello to hotties it's Halloween time. When you buy a burger and soft drink at Hardy's, you get a coin to put in the fun machine, which gives you a Halloween prize. I got a creepy, crawly Halloween thing. I got a Halloween ring. The fun machine at participating Hardy's. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for sitting through the commercial break. That does not pay me a dollar, but they're fun to listen to. All right, so the first story tonight is from Nantucket Ghosts, the book by Blue Ballet, where she interviews people all over Nantucket Island and talks to them about their ghost experiences. This story from Nantucket Ghosts is titled A Little Girl. My son Jimmy suffered the most from this whole experience. He was just old enough to really be traumatized by what he had seen. He would never stay alone in the house after that, even during the day, and he would get jumpy and irritable when asked about her. Oh, baby. <laughs> Already freaking out. Oh, I would like just hearing them, say, hearing them say her. Oh, so ominous. Joanne and Jim Shaw and their two children moved to the island from Rochester, New York in 1972. Jim gave up his insurance business and has worked ever since 1972 as a fisherman. Joanne teaches dance classes and works at Even Keel, a clothing store on Main Street. The Shaws rented one of the old farmhouses in Pulpis on the north side of the island. 
from 1976 to 1980. Joanne went on. Jimmy was nine at the time. He and his sister, Erin, who was six, had adjoined bedrooms upstairs. Jim and I slept on the first floor. Jimmy woke up one night to see a little girl standing in the dark by the side of his bed. He said, half asleep, what do you want, Erin? When she didn't move or answer, it began to draw on him that something was wrong. He jumped out of the other side of the bed and ran into Erin's room. She was fast asleep. He woke up his sister, oh my gosh, I'm getting chills, and the two of them came thumping and shrieking downstairs and dove into bed with us. Jimmy was terrified and had trouble sleeping for four weeks after that. In fact, we could never get him and Aaron to sleep upstairs again. Oh my gosh, these kids were messed up. We eventually stopped trying and set up a little bedroom for them down near ours. My husband and I thought Jimmy had probably had a bad nightmare, and we didn't pay much attention to the story. I did realize, however, that he was genuinely terrified by the memory of that little girl. About a week later, all four of us were jammed into the double bed. Jim and I still hoping the kids would get over this and go back upstairs. It was a sticky, hot August night. All I could hear was the constant piercing whine of mosquitoes. Each time one of us slapped, the others would get bounced, bumped, or woken up. I was in the middle. Finally, I got up and stretched out on the living room couch. I was laying on my back, just drifting off, when I saw a little girl standing in the shadows on the other side of the room. Oh, baby, here we go. She looked slightly taller than Erin. As I opened my eyes completely, she began to walk toward me. Oh, I have so many goosebumps. <laughs> oh, gosh, this kid's a freak. I remember that she was wearing a dark kerchief tied under her chin. Although I couldn't make out her facial features or the details of her body, I was aware that she was walking slowly, not drifting or floating. She had a long skirt or dress on. My first reaction to her approach was a strange one and perhaps instinctive. I felt that she had mistaken me for her mother and that she was coming over as if to give me a hug or nestle up to me. I felt a sudden rush of panic as she reached out the end Oh my god, I just got so many goosebumps. I can't even read the sentence. Oh my gosh, I'm getting like shock waves of goosebumps are just like throbbing through me. I felt a sudden rush of panic as she reached the end of the couch. I leapt up, exclaimed, What in the heck? As soon as I spoke, she vanished. I had never seen an apparition before, and I would never have counted myself among the believers of such things. However, this child was real. Wow, this is amazing. She was no dream. The sight of her approaching me, her head hidden in the little kerchief is still as vivid as can be, and it still gives me goosebumps. I was objectively curious about this little person, but I was also shaken. The idea that she might have mistaken me for her own mother was pathetic, but more than that, alarming. After all, my family and I had to go on living in the house. I guess I also felt vaguely guilty that I had jumped up from the couch. I had an unpleasant lingering certainty that she wanted something from me. I still wonder at odd moments what might have happened if I hadn't moved. Oh gosh, she probably would have like stolen your soul or something. I brought the kids' things downstairs the next day and we converted a small room off the front hallway into a bedroom for them. I told my husband about having seen Emily, as we later named her, on the night it happened. I told my kids the next morning, and Jimmy was reassured to hear that I had also seen the little girl. I tried to present the experience in a matter-of-fact way. If we had to share the house with a ghost, I thought it was the best that we try to be straightforward about it. I did look into the history of the house. It was built in the first quarter of the 19th century. I talked with some of the older Nantucketers in Pulpis, but they didn't remember hearing of any strange incidents connected with the property. The little girl, of course, could have conceivably died many generations ago. 
A couple weeks later, on a stormy, windy night, Emily turned up again. Oh, baby. Jim had set the alarm for 3 a.m. in order to go out fishing. Shortly before the alarm went off, we were awakened from a sudden sleep by a howling just out of side of our bedroom window. It really didn't sound like a domestic dog. The tone was closer to that of a coyote. It was probably someone's stray cat in the storm, but it sure was a desolate, eerie sound. Neither of us could get back to sleep, and Jim got up to take his shower. He didn't tell me this at the time, not wanting to frighten me, but as soon as he opened our bedroom door, he could feel, oh, I have so many goosebumps. I don't even know what's coming, and I'm just freaking out already. Oh, God. He could feel that there was someone out in the hallway between our room and the bathroom. Oh, my God, dude. I am so freaked out right now. Oh, what's going to happen? I did notice that he stood in our open bedroom door for a minute or so before going down the hall. Faced with this sense of an unknown presence standing in front of him in the dark, he actually put his head down, stretched one arm out in front of him, and walked, or rather dove, down the dark hallway to the bathroom. He switched on the light and looked back to find that the hall was empty. He took his shower and left the house. I mean, I would not be able to walk past a ghost. If I saw or felt something in the hallway, I just would say, nah, I'm not going. I could not make myself do that. That is terrifying. Continuing on here. I was just dozing off again when I felt the bed go down on the side. Oh, my God. Apparently, someone had sat down next to me. Oh, my God. I was lying on my stomach. My arms tucked under me. I thought at first that it was one of the kids. But when no one spoke, my heart started beating faster. Before I could lift my head or look around, I felt someone sitting on my upper back. What? They got on her? Someone about the weight of a young child. I felt, oh God, this gives me the creeps. A hand stroking the back of my head. I don't know whether it was five minutes or five seconds, but it seemed to go on forever. Holy crap. The ghost is sitting on her and petting her head. This is incredible. This is a super solid, awesome, classic ghost story. I am very happy with this story. There's only one page left, so this one's pretty quick. This is crazy. Oh my gosh. I would be just diarying all over myself right now. My butt would just explode. And then I'd throw up. Oh my gosh. This is insanity. How is she not losing her mind? Okay, let's see what she says. I couldn't move. I don't know if you've ever had dreams where you're being pursued by someone and your legs melt beneath you, but it was just that kind of feeling. I didn't seem to have any muscles. Pinned under this unseen weight, I just lay there feeling the soft, intermittent stroking on the back of my head. Then the adrenaline began to flow and gather all and gather all my strength. I flung myself out of bed, half falling on the floor. I remember shrieking, get out of here, get out of here. Needless to say, I was up the rest of the morning. <laughs> when Jim got in later in the day, I told him shakily what had happened. He said, oh yes, she was out in the hallway when I got up. Oh my God, I hate this. Like they're just like talking about the ghost that's tormenting them. I could have killed him for not letting me know before he left the house. There were times when I would walk into my bedroom during the day and feel that she was sitting on a canned chair. What the heck is a canned chair? Caned chair? Whatever. Sitting on some kind of a chair in the corner by one of the windows. 
I couldn't see anything, but I would look over there and then I would hear a rustle from the chair seat as if someone just stood up. This would be followed by a sequential creaking of the floorboards as if she were walking around the edge of the room. The creaking always followed the same route, moving around by the wall in front of my dresser and out the door. It was as if I had disturbed her and she got up and left the room. The following winter, we went to Florida for a couple weeks. I packed everything away and closed up the house. When we got home, I opened the front door to find hundreds of dead black flies in the foyer. What? Dude, that's like what happens to demons. Don't like demons and weird goats subtract flies and stuff? That's not good. Dude, that's bad. This might be a cursed kid. They were... Great big horseflies, the kind you don't usually see inside in the winter. They were so thick underfoot that I swept up a big dustpan full of them. Oh my God, what a horrible welcome. Even worse, when I went to put the kids to bed, I turned back their covers and found that both of their beds were filled with the same kind of large dead flies. <gasps> Dude, this is like a movie. This is a horror movie. Holy crap. The why were the dead flies under the blankets this is crazy dude in the kids beds that means the the ghost is like doing something to their beds it's like choosing them whole oh, dude this is for really demented this is freaking me out now this is like psychotic they were under the covers as if someone had turned back each bed thrown the flies on the bottom sheet and then made the beds up holy crap Although Jimmy only saw Emily that one night, he definitely had a hard time dealing with her apparent existence than the rest of us. As long as we lived in that house, he was afraid of being alone, couldn't sleep, and worried that he would see her again. I must admit, my initial feeling of sympathy for the little girl changed pretty rapidly to one of apprehension, and after that experience in the bedroom, simple horror. The sight of her, the feeling of being pinned on my bed and having someone touching the back of my head, the creaking sounds, the black flies, living with the unknown child is something I'll never forget. Holy crap. That was a good one. So I guess this happened in the 70s because they moved from New York to the house in 1972. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah, so they lived in the house. The town is called Pulpus. On, on Nantucket and they lived there from 1976 to 1980 so this happened like a few years before I was born I was born in 81 oh my gosh dude the 70s are horrifying the 70s are always scary that's where all the good that's where all the good horror movies came out in the 70s all the crazy stuff happened back then you don't ever get modern ghosts you don't get ghosts riding segways and using fidget spinners what the heck they're all just wearing old long dresses Dang, that's called A Little Girl. This was a real-life account. This is in the book Nantucket Ghost by Blue Ballet. That one was amazing. I'm very happy with that story. This is a good October story to be reading. Wow. All right, cool. Well, now I'm going to go and read the real-life account and information and just research, I guess. Uh, read a whole little article put together uh, for the Cecil Hotel after we listen to one more sponsored break Wednesday it's a hair raising Halloween happening can she begin in first that Emmy winning fat cat it's the trick or treat trail I'm no scaredy cat it's all new Garfield's Halloween adventure then I hear the great pumpkin 
the Halloween classic, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, right after Garfield Wednesday. What a great commercial. Probably one of the best commercial breaks any of us have ever heard. We're so fortunate. Please don't sue me, company. Okay, here we go. The second account of the evening. This is from the book Ghost Stories by Hannah J. Tidy. It's a compilation of horrifyingly real ghost stories and truly disturbing hauntings and paranormal stories. So, this one talks about the Cecil Hotel, which is here in Los Angeles. Some of you might have seen when I went down there on a live stream, but it was locked and closed, couldn't get in. They're, like, redoing the hotel. Hopefully, at some point next year when Corona's done and they're done with the hotel, they're apparently opening up for business again. I would like to go stay in this hotel um, and see what the heck I can figure out. I'm going to get to the bottom of everything. I'm a spectral specialist. All right. Here we go. Horrors at the Cecil Hotel. There are so many strange and horrifying stories surrounding this hotel, classifying it as certifiably haunted. In the 1920s, Los Angeles was a bustling place. The business was booming and Hollywood was taking shape. Los Angeles was now the fifth largest city in the United States, and its port was second only to New York City. It is only understandable that hotels were in incredibly high demand. The Cecil Hotel, constructed in 1924, had a remarkable 700 rooms. It was designed to house a large number of business travelers that were coming into and going out of the city. While Los Angeles was able to survive through the Great Depression in the 1930s and World War II in the 1940s, the effects of the economic downturn and the war took a toll on the real estate industry. This change in the property market led to an entirely different clientele for the Cecil Hotel. With an increase in wealth disparity, a need for a resting place for transients became more and more necessary, and the Cecil Hotel filled the void. The low prices allowed people to have a temporary home out of the small rooms that the hotel offered. The business model eventually transitioned to long-term single-room leases, where tenants shared the hallway bathrooms. It was during this time that the Cecil Hotel began taking on a sinister nature. It started to develop a reputation for suicides. People would come to the hotel, climb its 14 stories, and jump out of the windows to their death. There were at least three documented cases of suicides. What the Cecil Hotel became even more known for was the notoriety of two of its tenants, serial killers. The first of the two serial killers was Texas-born Richard Ramirez. He became known as the Night Stalker in the 1980s due to his ability to stalk and kill his victims at night. His life changed when he saw his cousin Mike, who had become a role model to him, shoot Mike's wife in front of Ramirez's eyes. Oh my god. Mike was a Vietnam veteran and had no qualms about sharing his sexual and murderous exploits in Vietnam with his younger cousin Richard. Ramirez then developed an appetite for sexual fantasies that included violence and bondage and was committing crimes even in junior high. Oh my god, this is depressing. I don't know if I can read this. This stuff is like not as interesting to me. I just want a spooky ghost. This is just morbid. But it's Halloween. I'll do a little bit of both. This, this podcast is technically under true crime, even though it really shouldn't be because ghost stories aren't crimes. Ghosts are just farting around bugging people no, no crime in that but there's no other category for me to load this podcast under it's not just like ghosts or spooky stuff so true crime it is until i can figure out a better category but i don't think there is one he dropped out of school before finishing ninth grade and moved to california where his career as a serial killer would begin he went on to commit numerous bar 
burglaries and at least 13 murders, with several more attempted murders. The majority of his crimes took place in L.A. in July and August of 1985, with some murders occurring only days apart from each other. It was during this time that it was believed he lived at the Cecil Hotel. I hate this guy. The second serial killer to live in the hotel was Jack Unterweger. Unterweger began his crimes in Europe and later came to the United States. He was known for targeting prostitutes. The Cecil Hotel served as the perfect place for him to take residence in LA due to its reputation for housing poor and low-class people. He killed a total of three prostitutes while living there and supposedly stayed there in homage to Ramirez. With all this history of bloodshed, it is no wonder that the Cecil Hotel developed quite a reputation for being haunted. The ghosts of dozens of victims and lost souls wander the halls at night, and the guests that stay there often report feeling a lost and depressed presence. Oh, God. In 2007, the Cecil Hotel was taken over by new management, refurbished and rebranded as Stay on Main. Yeah, that's what it's called now. But you can still see it on the side of the building, like where the old brick is, you can still see it says Cecil, I'm pretty sure on the side of the hotel. I'm pretty sure I saw that when I went down there last time. Uh, continuing on. The Lanting Hotel Group reopened it as a combination hotel slash youth hostel with both hotel rooms and transient rooms to be rented out on a semi-permanent basis. However, this rebranding did nothing to rid the house of its evil spirits. In 2013, the hotel was brought back into the limelight with a mysterious case of Elisa Lamb. This is now, this is what I want to investigate. This poor, I feel so bad for this girl. The footage is, I can't even watch the footage. It messes up, messes in my head. Oh gosh, this is so weird. Elisa was a student from Vancouver, Canada, who was staying at the hotel during her visit to Los Angeles, was later reported missing, and soon after, a video clip taken from CCTV footage of the elevator of the hotel surfaced. It was the last anyone had heard from Elisa. It showed her going in and out of the elevator and motioning strangely and unnaturally with her hands. A few days after she was reported missing, other guests in the hotel started to complain of issues in the quality of their water. These strange happenings led to the servicing of the water tank on the top of the high-rise building. What they found there shocked everyone. Elisa Lamb was found floating, stark naked, with her clothes strewn all around her, very much dead in the water. She had been decomposing in the water tank for a week before being found. The autopsy showed nothing to go on with, no drugs, no alcohol, no evidence of foul play, and thus authorities ruled it a suicide. But why would a perfectly happy girl on a vacation trip of her life all of a sudden decide to commit suicide? The answer is simple, she was murdered. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> but the killer may not have been someone you'd expect. Could it be that the same evil ghosts who have haunted the hotel for decades for some reason, led Elisa Lamb to this tragic and horrific end? The question is, did all these gruesome events stop businesses at the hotel? On the contrary, Stay on Main has become more popular than ever and is well on its way to its 100th anniversary. As an added attraction, psychics who claim they can connect with the spirits residing there offer special tours of the hotel for the hauntingly inclined. The hotel's sordid history has sparked a whole slew of conspiracy theories and paranormal explanations that, until this day, keep horror aficionados up all night. Elisa Lamb's story has also sparked a whole slew of new entertainment in the form of movies and literature. I mean, that's kind of sad. This poor girl died and now people are like making movies based on it. I mean, inspiration comes from everywhere, but oh my gosh, it's really kind of messed up to think about this poor girl went through something horrible and now people are like, we're, we're getting entertainment out of it. 
I mean, even me reading this, it's just intriguing, I guess, and it's informative. Why are humans drawn to this dark, messed up stuff? Like, this is, like, as far as I can go for morbid stuff. Like, I don't want too many details. Even just knowing about this is going to bum me out for a week. You know, every time I think about this kind of thing, it's just, like, ugh, kills me. But innocent spooky ghost stories i like that like the girl sitting on the person's bed and like petting her hands like oh my god it's freaky but it's just such a more innocent energy to it than this like these deaths and murders but i understand it's intriguing even i'm reading it here i am okay last paragraph and then i'll give my thoughts on all of this if you want to stay at the hotel you can do so for 45 dollars. if you are willing to share a room with another traveler an excellent price for the downtown location that stay on main offers Wait, uh, you might get murdered. I wouldn't stay with another stranger, another traveler. You'd get freaking murdered in that place. Knowing the history of the hotel, you might prefer sleeping with someone else as opposed to being alone. Um, no. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'll sleep with the stranger. They'll keep me safe, right? Of course, private rooms are also available, but they cost a little more at $75. That's so cheap. Even That's insane how cheap that is. That's crazy. Really? Is that cheap? I didn't know that. Every other hotel in Los Angeles is $400 a night. I stayed in a hotel that was $800 a night, but we won't get into that. That place was awesome. That's my favorite hotel in the world. Anyways, moving on. That place is haunted, too. Everything's haunted in Los Angeles. Oh, man. And the place I stayed that was $800 a night had a minimum of two nights stay. <laughs> Oops. It was New Year's Eve, though. It was really fun. It was probably my favorite. It's my, it is guaranteed my favorite hotel in the world. Well, aside from Bora Bora, that was amazing. Oh, I got to go back there. I got to become a rich guy. I got to go travel again. I got to go places. Everyone, please support my Patreon. And then I'll go to Bora Bora and tell you all about it. Okay, last sentence. Let me just restart that because I've been rambling too much. Of course, private rooms are also available, but they cost a little more at $75. A private room with a unique ghost visitor sounds like a hauntingly good deal for the truly brave of heart. There we go. Now that is Horrors at the Cecil Hotel. In the book, Ghost Stories, by Hannah J. Tidy. Those are our stories this evening. Now, so, I don't like how that last little, you know, story or whatever, document I just read about the Cecil Hotel. They basically say, how could this girl have died in this tank? Simple. She was murdered. Um, no. I'm pretty sure if you did any research on this, you would learn what people think. This seems a little more believable. Yes, maybe she was murdered, but, like... There was no murder. Like, they just, uh, there was no drugs in her system. She wasn't drugged and thrown in there. She wasn't stabbed or killed or punched or whatever or broken her neck. She was just in there floating and drowned. Um, so, how would you get someone in there without them fighting and scratching, you know? And uh, so, what people are thinking, theories are that she didn't take her medication and she was on some sort of uh, mental illness medication and she didn't take it. That's why she was in the elevator and this footage of her kind of like freaking out and she was paranoid. She thought she saw someone following her. They, people think she might, be, might have been schizophrenic. And she, what they think is that she went up into that tank to hide. She got onto the roof to hide from whoever she thought was following her. And then she hid in the tank and then realized when she was in there, oh, crap, I'm drowning. So people think she took her clothes off to plug the hole, to stuff the hole so she could, like, uh, not drown or something. There's, like, a whole theory on, like, why she did took the clothes off when she was in the tank to, like, not drown or something. So that... And when I read that, I was like, oh, that makes more sense. But this book, they just go, it's obvious. She was murdered. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. They're really jumping to uh, taking liberties there, jumping to conclusions and taking liberties. But 
we really don't know. Maybe she was. Who knows? It's very interesting and intriguing and very sad and bums me out. I feel bad for this girl. Um, so if you're interested, you can go down downtown LA and check out Stay on Main, which is formerly the Cecil Hotel. I plan on doing a whole like investigation on it on the dad channel under his reality series. So there you go. That's our spooky Halloween month episode. I mean, every month, every episode, every week is a Halloween episode because we're talking about ghosts here every week on Grave Stories. Thank you to everyone who listens. I really appreciate it. Thank you to the ones who support on Patreon. If you aren't, please do if you're able to. And you can get in the Nathan private Discord and then leave your ghost stories and I will read them. Also, I will beg you a million more times to rate on Apple iTunes podcasts, whatever app. But if you listen to it on Spotify or Google Play or whatever, or even here on the Anchor app, uh... It will help if you go to Apple and just rate it. You don't have to listen there. It, the star ratings really do help get this seen by other people who are looking for like paranormal podcasts and things. So thank you to everyone who does listen and rate and uh, shows up every week. I appreciate it. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>